0: When you think about David from the Bible, what comes to mind? Are you first drawn to his mighty act of bravery as a young man in facing the giant Goliath, like portrayed here in this amazing sculpture, where he stands with his foot upon the giant's head, the sling still in his hand that had brought him down? That was a miraculous feat, where God took an ordinary shepherd boy and showed through him his might. his power. Or perhaps when you think of David, the first thing that comes to mind is his failure, his sin, where he lusted after Bathsheba and took her to be his own, even though she was a married woman. It was a horrible sin of adultery and later of murder. David eventually repented of that sin. And you can read about what he said and how his heart was turned in Psalm 51. It is a model for all of us because all of us are broken and sinful. We all sin against God and against others, and we need to turn from it and repent of it. When I think of David, though, the first thing that comes to mind is that I deeply, deeply admire how his life was integrated in both work and worship. They blended together as one. God calls David a man after his own heart, because his worship and his work were so interwoven. You see, worship and work go together. We are to do everything that we do as a reflection of the greatness of God because we are made in his image. We are made to reflect who he truly is in an accurate way. David's work and worship was beautifully woven together, and we made in God's image, are to do the same thing. Part of that image is reflecting back God as a worker because God has a pattern of work. When he created everything, he said it was very good. And the first responsibility he gave to humanity was to care for his creation, to work on behalf of that which he had made and to reflect his goodness, his character in all that we do. We are to represent him accurately in our work. When we look at David, we see a pattern that is beautiful as well. Have you thought about your work? Have you ever considered it as something beautiful that God uses to reveal his image, his likeness through? Or are you just doing your job, trying to get by? If not, I want to challenge you to begin to look at your work as worship, to see how worship and work can be interwoven in reflecting the character and nature of God to others. It doesn't matter what kind of work we do. David's first job was a shepherd. It was not glamorous to anyone except for God, because God saw David's faithfulness in the way that he cared for his sheep. He saw a pattern and a heart in David. It was a reflection of his own in the way that he cared for and protected the sheep. We can do the same thing no matter what kind of job we have. When we learn to work for God and we learn to do our work as worship, which means proclaiming the worth of God. In fact, as I was on my way to this location to film for this part of the sermon, I was thinking about that. And I came up with, with with a new word, to tell you the truth. It's maybe what we need to learn to do is to practice workship, where we put our work and our worship together. Now, that may not be a very good word. It may be a little cheesy, a little lame, but it's a good reminder that what we do is designed and should reflect the worth of God, which is what worship is. So what about you? Would you begin a life of worship, where you take the work that you do and choose to make it an expression of worship that proclaims the worth of God. What does worship look like? What does work that expresses worship, what should it be? How does God define good work? Well, God answers this question in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He tells us exactly what he desires from each and every one of us in the life that we live and of the work that we do. Here's how he expresses it. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. God lists four things here that he wants you and I to do as part of our life and as part of the work that we do. First of all is to do justice. Secondly, to love kindness. The way we express that at the International Church of Prague is to show grace or to give grace to others as God has given grace to us. Thirdly, he says to walk humbly. And fourthly, it's not only to walk humbly, but to walk with God, a relationship with Him where He guides us through each and every day of our lives. Here are some questions to ask about our work based upon that passage. First of all, are you pursuing personal prosperity, or do you seek to do justice, serving the needs of others? Secondly, are you pursuing position, or are you giving grace and kindness to others? Thirdly, are you pursuing power, or are you walking in humility? And fourthly, are you pursuing possessions, or a relationship with God where you recognize that He is the owner of everything. Most of us, if we're honest, we want comfort, pleasure, possessions, and success. And it's easy for those things to become the very things that drive us in the work that we do. But God wants to make us whole. He wants to make us holy and to restore His image, His likeness in us and through us especially through the work that we do when we work in such a way that we reveal His true worth. Maybe you're going through a difficult time right now at work. COVID has turned so many things upside down, including our work. The workplace looks radically different with so many things online, and so many people have lost their jobs that it could be a time of trial and difficulty for you at work right now but there's some things to remember in the midst of that. Here are some truths that I hope will help us understand how God can take even these difficult circumstances and use them for His glory and our good. First of all, God uses trials and suffering to move us from our will to His will. That's an important thing to remember. God wants to use the circumstances that we are in, even when they're difficult, to shape our wills so that they conform to His likeness and His desires and His plan for our life. In the end, our struggles will become the enduring testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness when we give our lives completely over to Him and when we seek His holiness rather than just our own comfort. Secondly, the way God often chooses to show us that he is in control and show us his greatness and his goodness is to put us in situations that we can't control. Here's the beauty of pursuing God's will for your life. Remember those four things that we mentioned before, comfort, pleasure, possessions, and success, the things that we often pursue in our work? Well, here's some truths to remember. If we pursue justice, Jesus comforts us and He makes us a comforter to others. If we pursue kindness, giving grace to others, Jesus fills us with joy, and we become an instrument of His joy being given through us to others. If we walk humbly, Jesus provides for us, and He gives us the opportunity to bless others as well. If we walk with Him, everything we do counts For his eternal glory and for our good. You see, what transforms work into worship is the heart with which we approach it. The center of David's heart was focused on honoring the Lord. His work and his worship were one. Because of that, he reflected the image of God in every position he had, from a lowly shepherd to a great and mighty king. As a shepherd, he reflected the care and protection of God in the way that he cared and watched over his flock. As a king, David worked to bring justice to the people. He sought to reflect the likeness of God in showing the value for each and every person knowing that they are made in his image. Listen to what God's word says about David's work as king. 2 Samuel chapter 8 verses 15 and 16, says this. So David reigned over all of Israel and David administered justice and equity to all his people. Now listen to David's own words about worship. We see this in Psalm 101, verse 1. I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. You see, David's work, and his worship were one. This is the heart that we are to have towards our work as well. I've had several employers over the years, but many years ago, I learned to work for one boss, the Lord Himself. No matter who my supervisor was or who I was accountable to, I want to work for the Lord first. Let me tell you that simple understanding that He is the one that I work for changes everything about our work. You see, God gave us the responsibility of work to be a reflection of His good work, the things that He has made, the things that He has done, and especially in the salvation that we see in Jesus Christ. Because you see, every work that God does is beautiful, and we as humans are drawn to beauty. When we see the majesty of a mountain peak covered with snow or we hear the symphony of a mountain stream or a river, we're drawn to the beauty. When we see a sunset or a sunrise with all the spectrums of colors that God has made, we're drawn because they're a reflection of the beauty of God himself. You see, everything God has made, including you and I, was designed to reflect the beauty of who he is. And therefore, as followers of Jesus, we need to recognize that our work as well is called to be an instrument that reflects the beauty of who Jesus is. Church leaders of old put it this way. They said that our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, to reveal the greatness of who he is and be able to enjoy it ourselves because we live in union with him through faith in Jesus Christ. Beauty speaks to us greatly in our world right now, needs a glimpse of beauty. It needs us as the church, as followers of Jesus, to reflect the true nature of who God is accurately and in beauty. And that impacts our work. As we looked a little bit at David, uh, we want to look a little deeper at another passage of Scripture here in just a moment. that's one of my favorite ones to examine when it comes to the subject of work. But let me start with this. Your purpose in work is to reflect the beauty of Jesus by uniting your work and your worship together as one pursuit, showing the beauty of God's goodness, character, grace, and truth to those around you. Remember that God made you who you are, He didn't make you someone else. He's given you the skills, the intelligence, the knowledge, the creativity to accomplish something that is unique that shows the greatness and goodness of who Jesus is. Let me challenge you to make your work an expression of worship. As we've been examining in this series called Reimage, we understand that it is our purpose, what God wants to do in us, is to conform us to the likeness of Jesus. And so we are to reimage and our life purpose as reflecting the image of God is to accurately show who He is, his heart, his character, his truth, his justice, his nature. Maybe here's a story that, that may help us understand how work and worship can reflect the image of God and how they work together. Way back in 1658, a young Italian boy lived in the town of Cremona, and legend has it that like his townsfolks, Antonio loved music. Tremona was a town where musical ability was highly valued. But Antonio was not an accomplished musician. When he tried singing, his friends nicknamed him Squeaky Voice. When he tried to to learn the violin, he was all thumbs and he just couldn't make it sound good. About the only thing that Antonio could do well was whittle on a block of wood with his knife. And so he spent much of his time carving little objects. One day, Antonio sat whittling by the roadside as three of his very musically talented friends were busking. They were playing music and the air was filled with their beautiful playing and singing. One gentleman stopped by and listened longer than any of the others and even asked the friends to sing another song. After they finished, he dropped a gold coin into their hands and gave it to them as a gift because of the beauty of their music. Then he moved on down the street. The gold coin was an incredible sum for a street singer. Who was he, asked Antonio. Oh, that was Amati, his friends proudly replied. Niccolo Amati, the great violin maker of all of Italy. That planted a thought in young Antonio's mind. The next morning, he went to Niccolò Amati's house, and there he went to the master, and he asked him if he could learn to make violins. Amati took young Antonio under his wing and showed him the skill and the craft. And so Antonio, who had no musical ability of his own, began to make musical instruments those musical instruments became quite famous because, you see, Antonio's last name is Stradivari. And he is the one who made the most famous violins in all of the world, the Stradivarius. You see, he learned to use the gifts that God had given him to take his work and make it worship, to make it something beautiful that reflected not only beautiful music, but the beauty of God himself, the beauty of our creator. What transforms work into worship is not the kind of work we do. It is the Holy Spirit. When we give ourselves and our work over to His control and rely on His power. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 35. It's near the beginning of the Bible. And it tells the story of how God instructed Moses and the peoples of Israel to make everything that was needed for the tabernacle the place where God's presence would rest amongst his people. Exodus 35, beginning in verse 30, says this, Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for the work of every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholab, the son of Asamach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroider in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. Now I love this passage um, because it's speaking about a man who works with his hands, but a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is actually the first mention of a person being filled with the Holy Spirit in the Holy Spirit, empowering them to do what God had called them to do. Isn't that interesting? When we think of being filled with the Holy Spirit, we think of, of pastors or worship leaders. We, we think of within a, a church setting. But God's first mention of being filled with the Spirit was a craftsman. Sometimes we falsely believe that, that God's focus is to work mostly through ministry but God wants to use you right where you are with the skills and the abilities and the heart and the opportunities that he's given to you. So let's make some observations from this passage. There there are several things I want to point out that I hope will be an encouragement to you in your work. First of all, from this passage, we discover that we have a calling. You have a calling. What we need to do is to seek God's purpose for our work. Bezalel, was called by name. I believe you have a calling no matter what kind of work you do. And the secret to finding that calling and to living it out is found in Bezalel's name. He has an absolutely awesome name. Bezalel means in the shadow of God or under the shadow of God. His name literally means that God was over everything that he was, and everything that he did. That's the secret to finding our calling. We say, Lord, I want to place everything under the shadow of your wing, all that I am and all that I do. God covered him with his wings for protection. God went before Bezalel in his work. God equipped and empowered him to be able to do the things that he did, and he gave him the skills to be able to accomplish all that he was calling him to do. Every time Bezalel heard his name, he was reminded that he was covered by God. God had a call, a purpose, and a plan for Bezalel. What about you? God has a call on your life. Will you place yourself under his wing, under his authority? Secondly, we discover from this passage that skill comes from God. The abilities that you have, the intellect that you have, It comes from the Lord. And therefore, we should reflect the humility of Jesus. All of us have skills, but they are gifts that God has given us. Even the aptitude to be able to learn and and, uh, have those abilities is a gift that comes from God. Just like Bezalel, who was given an understanding and aptitude for artistry, for mathematics, for design, you have gifts and abilities that God has entrusted to you. We need to humbly thank the Lord for what he has given us. And let me, let me pause for just a moment and give you a, um, a really important piece of advice. We are most often tempted to compare ourselves to others, but God didn't make you someone else. When we compare ourselves to someone else, when we look at their skills and their abilities, and, and we think they've got something more than we do, We will always miss out on what God wants to do in and through us. God didn't make you someone else, and he didn't make a mistake in creating you, gifting you, and giving you the skills and opportunities he's given you. His plan for you is not only unique, it is necessary. He made you on purpose. Bezalel understood that his gifts came from the Lord. And so, therefore, he placed himself under the shadow, underneath the authority of God, and allowed God to work in him and use all of those gifts and abilities he gave him to bring honor and glory to the Lord. The next thing that we see is that intelligence comes from God. We need to reflect on the wisdom of God in our world. We often compare our intelligence as well with others. We have IQ tests that seem to place some ahead of others. But intelligence is a gift from God. And it does not always translate into wisdom. You see, when we take intelligence, the thing that God has given us, and we place it back underneath His authority, He turns intelligence into wisdom. And let me, let me say this very carefully. A little bit of wisdom... Is far more important than a great deal of knowledge because wisdom gives us the ability to show how God would have us live and how He would have us work. Intelligence is a gift from the Lord, and when we give it back to Him, even as Bezalel did, and place it under His authority, He transforms it into wisdom. God also gives us creativity, creativity comes from Him. And we're called to reflect the beauty and artistry of Jesus. Creativity is incredibly important. Art and science and technology are important. In fact, Exodus 25, uh, beginning in verse 31, there are instructions written to artists, to artisans, and to people who knew how to use technology and to manage projects in order to create them. Exodus 35, beginning in verse 30 is written about their creativity. And and usually sections like these are ones that we tend to look at in the scripture and we kind of glance over, we skim through them because they seem to be dull. But I want to encourage you to read those passages, read the last half of Exodus from the perspective of a, a creative or of a project manager who is being tasked by God to do something incredible. When we do that, we see it from a different perspective, and it helps us to understand how God uses our work. Here's something that's important to know. Unlike pastors, prophets, and the like, creative work is one of the pure vocations. Here's what I mean by that. If there was no sin, and if we had perfect knowledge and fellowship with God, um, there would still be creatives, because it's a reflective gift from the Lord. There are only pastors because there are sinners. There are only prophets because we aren't perfect in in our fellowship with God in an obedience to his word. Creatives, though, are something that reflect who God is, his image. And so when we do something with our hands, when we do something that shows the beauty of God, it's a glimpse of eternity. Did you know in heaven, I'll be unemployed, at least as far as my role as a pastor? Everyone will learn from the Lord himself. Pastors will not be necessary. Also, doctors will be out of work as well. But artists, musicians, builders, craftsmen, gardeners, those jobs continue. One of the other things that this passage about Bezalel illustrates is that teaching is a gift from God. Bezalel invested in others. He trained those around him, and he invested in the next generation of tradesmen and of craftsmen. We should continually be doing exactly the same. Did you know that the greatest accomplishment that you can do in work is to build up and train others, because that multiplies the work. That's especially true when our work is making disciples. When we train others to help others, Uh, other people discover who God is and how their life can be shaped and find purpose and meaning in Christ Jesus, we're multiplying the work of the Great Commission, of the gospel, of sharing the good news with other people. Bezalel did not seek glory for himself. He worked together with others to display the beauty and greatness of God by teaching and training others. Another observation from this text is this. All work needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Far too often, we think we need the Holy Spirit just to do spiritual things, but we can rely on our own abilities, our own resources to do our regular work. This is limiting us in our careers, in the work that we do. God knows your work, whatever it is, better than you do. If you're an accountant God understands numbers and mathematics far better than you do. He even understands the economy better than you do. It doesn't matter what kind of field that we work in. God can empower us to do our work not only better, but in a way that brings honor and glory to him. Bezalel worked for the pleasure of God, and his work made a lasting difference. His work was satisfying. It was good. So choose to work for God's pleasure and to live in his shadow, to place yourself under his authority and your work, no matter what it is, will have a lasting legacy. I've talked earlier about work as worship. I want to read a verse to you from Colossians chapter three, verse 17. It says this, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Becky and I heard a a story recently about a carpenter. He had worked a very long career for one specific builder, and he was getting old, he was getting weary. And so he went to his boss and he said to him, you know, it's time for me to retire. I'm I'm tired and worn out. Well, the boss came back to him and he said, well, I want you to build one more house for me. Uh, Would you do that for me? And reluctantly, the carpenter said yes, but his heart really wasn't in it. And so he did the work, but he he really did a pretty sloppy job. He would cut corners wherever he could so he could get it done as quickly as possible. And finally, the day came when the house was completed. And so the carpenter went back to his boss and he says, the work is done. And the boss said, well, that is great. I am so glad to hear that. And he he reached into his desk and he pulled out a pair, a, a set of keys. And he said, these are the keys to that house. I'm giving it to you as a reward for the faithfulness of the work that you've done for me over all these years. And he handed the carpenter his keys. Well, can you imagine how that carpenter felt receiving those keys, knowing that of all the houses he had built in his career, This one was the one he did most poorly. And yet, his boss had intended all along to give it to him. You see, we need to work with quality, with integrity in everything that we do and trust ultimately in in the Lord as our overseer, in his wisdom, in his provision, to take care of us, to bring reward, and to make our work something that can become worship. We worship in our work through dependence, through relying on the Holy Spirit, on His abilities, on His power. We show dependence when we go to work in prayer before the Lord, saying, Lord, would you enable me to work today in such a way that I can make a difference in the lives of those around me, so that the work that I do reflects the quality, the beauty of who you are. Choose to work as worship, and choose to work For God's pleasure, right where He has placed you, right in those circumstances, whether it's online, whether it's virtual, or whether it's still going to your place of employment, right where you are, God can use you to display His beauty, His power, and His joy in incredible ways. Work as worship. Let me give you some action points. First of all, view your work as an offering of worship. View your work as a canvas to display the beauty of God. Pursue excellence as a reflection of God's greatness. Pursue integrity as a display of God's holiness. Befriend others as a display of God's love. Demonstrate a thankful attitude as a display of God's goodness. Build relationships and share the impact that Jesus has had on your life with others. Be creative as a reflection of God, our creator. Be a stabilizing factor in your company as a reflection of how Jesus holds everything together, including us. Be one who builds unity as a display of the union between God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember, God is with you right now and he cares about your work. He's placed you there on purpose, and so He has a plan for your life right where you are in the midst of your work. And remember that you are God's ambassador to every person around you. Through the Holy Spirit, you represent Jesus in the flesh to others. Show them His love, live His truth, demonstrate His grace, and tell them what He has done in your life. When it comes to re-imaging God, our life purpose is to accurately reflect the image of God in all that we are and all that we do. My prayer for each one of us as part of the International Church of Prague is that God will enable us to turn our work into worship and so show the greatness of who He is. God bless you. Have a great day.